Community Voices Connected on Harbour Radio, supporting those socially isolated in our community. Chatting with representatives from local charities and organisations while connecting to services available in the borough of Great Yarmouth. And in today's edition of Community Voices Connected with yours truly, Peter Kirkpatrick, I'll be joined by Julie Woods from the Shrublands Trust in Galston and Mark Atkinson from the Lighthouse Project. Community Voices Connected on Harbour Radio, supporting those socially isolated in our community. Chatting with representatives from local charities and organisations while connecting to services available in the borough of Great Yarmouth. My next guest um, on the Community Voices Connected slot on Harbour Radio with yours truly, Peter Kirkpatrick. 
I have Julie Woods, who is the manager of the Shrublands Youth and Adult Centre down in uh, Galston. And, and Julie's doing, as ever, some, some fantastic work out there. Hello, Julie. Hello. Hello. Um, right, what are you up to at the moment? Because um, you've got quite a very interesting scheme going on with the old checkers, haven't you? We have. So we've been really lucky. We've got some funding through the National Lottery and Norfolk Community Foundation, and we've employed four local people knocking on people's doors. Um, so the whole idea of them is just to check in with everybody and check they're okay. They are three quarters of the way around Galston, a lot bigger place than we thought when we started. Galston's um, pretty big. So yeah. It is, it's massive. So um, they're, they're knocking on doors. They're asking if people's all right. They're finding lonely people, um, people that just want to stand and chat because they haven't seen anyone in weeks, maybe even longer. Um, and then they're talking to them about whatever they need. So we've had people that have come unemployed and we've talked to them about how they are paying credit. We've had people that have got nothing and we've helped them with parcels. Um, oh, we've got people that are struggling with debt and we're referring them on style to help them with that. So, you know, it's been been a really heartwarming how many people have just wanted a chat and just appreciated them knocking on the doors. And how many doors have you knocked on? Um, to date, we've knocked over 5,000 doors. Um, well, that was actually to the end of... January, we haven't counted February's figures yet. We're now in the process. Um, so, yeah, over 5,000 doors. And how many you, How many checkers have you got? Four. That's a lot of doors. That's a lot of doors. So are they, they doing this full-time? Um, no, just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings, and then Thursday they, they come back and we do all the paperwork pieces. So, yeah, three mornings a week they're out knocking on doors. So, of course, because of lockdowns part one, two, three, however you want to count them, a, a lot of problems are being hidden, aren't they? So people have these issues, whatever it's health, money, whatever it may be. And because they can't get out and about and a lot of offices are, are not operational as they, they were normally, a lot of these things are now getting a bit buried, aren't they? You must be finding some very... Um, confused, frustrated and upset people out there? Yes, at least every day they come across one person that needs more than a... So, yeah, forwarding on to someone else or making phone calls. And this last few weeks we've found a lot of people that don't use computers and can't log on to their vaccines. So things like that need help as well. Things that you just don't even think of. Yeah, we. I think we live in an age where we assume that everybody is computer literate and, and can just sort of find things out, but that's not the case, is it? No. And the whole project actually came around because the people that we were talking to didn't even have phone credit to call for help when they needed it. We needed to go out to them and knock on their doors. Yeah. This is a philosophy that, that is, I guess, a bit old-fashioned. Um, I know the council do that with 
supported housing that that the supporting house officers sort of go and knock on the doors of those who are elderly vulnerable um through age or health and so this is a sort of taking that to the next level isn't it because you're encompassing all these different things it's and and sometimes it's just talking to somebody yes and i i think the record that they had was one lady who talked to them for an hour and five minutes and she just hadn't spoken to anyone in months. She just needed to talk to a person. Yeah, I mean, when I was doing supported housing, you know, there was this chap I'd go and see two or three times a week. And as I left him at half past four, he'd say, well, I'm not going to see anybody until you come tomorrow or Wednesday, uh, which is a bit sad, I think. Yes. Oh, I think. But, but no one's going round at the moment, are they? So that makes people like him even more isolated. Well, of course, they, there will be some of that, I, I guess, with the census when that comes up. And we may be drifting slightly out of severe lockdown by then. I'm, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but but where do people go? I mean, I know at, at, um, at the Shrublands at Mesh, there's this whole thing going on. If, if Just explain what, what happens down where you are, because there's a lot of people don't know. Well, when we're back to normal... <laughs> which um, I can't even begin to imagine. So the, the um, MESH office deals with people that have got housing queries, benefits, debt advice, that sort of thing. But that's only one part of the whole thing that happens at the site. So we have youth clubs for younger people. We've got companionship group for older people. We've got exercise classes, Slim and World dancing, scouts, young carers, anything and everything happens at Strublands at some point during the week. Um, and anyone can just wander in. And um, We also produce this little What's On guide, if you've seen it. It's um, the A5 booklet, and um, we share that with as many people as possible, which just tells them not just what's going on where we are, but whole of golf. And so people, if they do want to out and find something to do they can well that what's on guide is great because i mean apart from my own personal business adverts in there which are always what uh, worth having a look at and of course um harbour radio's um little advert in there as well but the back has got all these little contact details hasn't it which are really useful yes yeah absolutely so that's really helpful to anyone it's got cancelled details it's got you know anybody that you could possibly need and if you don't it doesn't have the number in there it's got ours and we'll know them we can sort it out so with the going back to the um the community checkers um how long are you going to be carrying this on for so they're funded until end of march um and i currently have um, another funding bid in to try and continue it because even when we come out of this lockdown People aren't going to be ready to jump straight back in. So we have a fund, another funding bid in to carry that on. Is there a... Pat- so fingers cr- oh, yeah, carry on. No, I was just saying fingers crossed that yeah. we're successful. Well, I hope so. I, I mean, is there... I mean, I, I guess you're you're having every issue under the sun that, that sort of pops up, but is there one that sort of rises to the top more, more so than others? I guess it's just the general confusion to be the biggest. Should I be going to do that? I need to do this. How do I do it? 
That seems to be the main two questions. Although what they might need to do is different, is they're just not quite sure how to go about doing it. So whether that's you know booking your online shopping or needing to go and visit family that they haven't seen and that they're worried about, how do they get in contact when they don't answer the phone, things like that. We deal with that all day. It's just a navigating the system type question. Well, it's not what you know, it's who you know, as is with life, isn't it, in general. What's the what's the plans then um, as we start to ease out of this, as I say, fingers crossed, uh, what's the future for the Shrublands? So we're hoping, if everything goes to plan on the 12th of April and we're allowed, that we will open back up to a first few groups. So we will have a companionship group because that, you know, people are struggling with isolation. That will be Monday mornings, 10 till 12. Um, then on a Tuesday, we've got a craft group, which effectively is companionship while you're knitting or doing your crafting activity. It's sort of that by a different name, really. Wednesdays, we have um, employment support with access to computers. Um, Thursdays, Feathers Futures are there with their wellbeing group for women. And Friday, we have our wellbeing group. And they're all different women. So we have quite a lot of support for mental health going in to start with on the 12th of April. If the plan stays as it is, when the next date happens in May, we'll then be bringing back some of our exercise classes and hopefully we'll be open and to the public on in June. So it's all fingers crossed and, and um, where to go for that. I mean, it will be nice to have some kind of normality, but as we said, really people's issues aren't going to go away overnight, are they really? It's going to be a long-term thing, I think. Yes, and we're aware that it'll be a gradual process and people will come back as they feel safe. But the trick is just to be there for them when they want to come. And if not, we can go to them with the checkers, hopefully. We'll continue. And how can people get in touch, Julie? Um, so we have a Facebook page. If you put in Strubland's Community Trust, that will find us. We have a website, uk. Or you could give me a call. Um, my phone number is 075-44-55-1670. Good. Just say that one more time, Julie. 075-44-55-1670. You sounded as though you were struggling hard to, to remember that. Yeah, I should have written that down in front of me, shouldn't I? I have to say my phone number in a certain way. Um, <laughs> when when people sort of only say, um, I always say the first five digits, and then it, but if people say them differently, it doesn't sound the same, does it, somehow? No. Now, if you haven't been to the Shrublands, I do urge you to go when you get the chance uh, in the future. It is literally like a TARDIS. It's the most unassuming building you can see or think of. Um, it doesn't look anything really you go into you drive into it there's a bit of park in there not a lot and then this this thing just sort of opens up doesn't it there's room seemingly rooms everywhere I, I've never known anything like it and it was originally a farm it's um bequeathed to the community so buildings are all part of um 
a cow shed originally that has all been made into different rooms. And uh, don't let appearances um, fool you. If if you do get a chance, I do urge you to pop along. Thank you, Julie. Great to talk to you as as normal. I shall I shall speak to you at the next um, mesh board meeting. Haven't seen you for absolutely ages, um, but uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll catch up at some point in time. Carry on the good work and and say hello to all your your checkers for us. They're they're doing fantastic work. I, I will. I'll pass on your thanks. Take care, Julie. Thanks for now. Take care. Bye. Bye. This is Community Voices Connected, brought to you by Peter Kirkpatrick on Harbour Radio. Community Voices Connected on Harbour Radio, supporting those socially isolated in our community, chatting with representatives from local charities and organisations while connecting to services available in the borough of Great Yarmouth. Now, continuing with our Community Voices Connected series here on Harbour Radio, I have on the end of a telephone uh, Mark Atkinson from the Lighthouse Project, and he is a suicide prevention facilitator for Norfolk and Waveney Mind, based in Norwich. Um, Hello, Mark. Hello there. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, Pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Now, we're doing this Community Voices Connected series, um, and we're looking at, at those who are vulnerable in the community and then talking to people like yourselves who are able to offer help, advice, support, anything that's necessary. Just introduce yourself and, and your project for me, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, of course. So my, my name's Mark Atkinson, and so I work for Norfolk and Waving Mind in a project called Lighthouse, which is supported and was um, funded through the Norfolk County Council and Public Health. Um, and I work as part of um, the Suicide Prevention Complex Bereavement Service. And there's a few aspects to that. So my role um, is, is in providing support and training in, um, uh, in mental health, the so mental health first aid, and also mainly suicide awareness and intervention training. So we can provide free advice and support and training in those areas. Um, for charities and individuals supporting people um, across the north of Norfolk and across the wider Great Yarmouth area. I also work with uh, my colleagues. Um, we've got uh, we've all got nautical themes for the names of our projects. So there's three other projects, uh, and they all send the other projects centre around support for individuals um, uh, who have been bereaved. Um, and so we have a number of workers who work one-to-one and facilitating group work, so that's peer support group work, across Norfolk and Waveney, so including the, the sort of wider Great Yarmouth area, and we can provide practical and emotional support to those people who've sadly experienced a bereavement, whether that's through suicide, so we have a, a, a sort of long experience now um, in working particularly in that area, but also anybody who's experienced a bereavement, sadly, through the pandemic as well. Now, mental health um, and the and dealings with mental health has always been a wee bit on the back burner. I, I've sort of come across briefly things in the past um, and try to get help for people in one of my other roles. And, and that was always sadly lacking. It seems to be very underfunded for some reason. I can only guess that this has just increased dramatically under lockdown and, and um, the threat of COVID. 
Yeah, sadly. I mean, sadly, that's the case. We, we hear sort of um, informally um, through local charities and national charities, but now the research starts to um, become more clear. Um, so we have research from the Samaritans, for example, acknowledging a rise in um, mental health uh, in referrals for people in relation to mental health um, and sort of rise in self-harm instance. Um, and, of course, at Mind, we recognize the need um, for further support in the community. It's kind of, sadly, what you might expect from a very um, isolating experience for everybody, but also one in which, um, you know, we, we come to kind of uh, be more aware of our own mortality and our own um, thinking during this time of sort of being separated from the people we love. So... So it's a kind of reminder, I mean, the Lighthouse Project in itself, um, providing an access point, really, for people to raise their awareness about mental health and about the risks around suicide, and then also um, providing resources and information, because we appreciate how difficult it can be sometimes to navigate um, where you can get local support for your mental health Um and so that's, that's part of the process as well. So, so people can, can come along and uh, uh, join the online training and, and get resources that sort of act as a directory of support for kind of local areas. Now, I, I'm, I'm one of these people, um, thankfully for, for my own well-being, is that um, I'm not just a half glass full sort of person or half glass empty. I'm just glad to have a glass. And and my my sort of attitude is is in all the the lockdowns is I've I've actually been quite content with all the little projects mainly Harbour Radio related trying to get a show produced each week and talk to people like yourselves. But um, my wife and I had a walk um, yesterday along. I live in Galston and we walked to the the breakwater, yeah. the jetty, and sadly there's there's a sort of flowers and and um little bits and pieces for a young lady who who sadly took her life a while ago and there's every now and then we had a, a few instances of people who've done that and i can't imagine yeah. what must be going through somebody's mind there was somebody who, who who went into the water who had to walk a considerable way and you think during that walk if you're not dressed appropriately what must be going through your head to, to actually want to do that? I, I can't particularly imagine that myself, but it, it, are there particular vulnerable groups, do you think, that are maybe more vulnerable during lockdowns? Yeah, I think, I think that's what we're trying to do, um, raising people's awareness um, around um, what's go, what, it, what might be going through. Everybody's story is different, but what might be going through the mind of somebody who's experiencing suicidal thoughts and then a bit of an awareness about what um, life events, so things that happen to people and sort of um, risk factors um, might um, might make somebody um, have suicidal thoughts. Um, and so, so, for example, some of those things, they, they seem quite obvious in some ways, but a big life event that might happen to someone would, would be bereavement, for example, um, or loss of employment. Um, uh, those are kind of big risk factors for people. Um, uh, there are there are a number of individuals as well who who might be at a higher risk factor. Sadly, age comes into it as well. So we know 
research shows sort of statistically that men um, and men of a particular age are um, more vulnerable to, um, with their mental health and to suicidal thoughts, which is why there are a number of projects and sort of initiatives aimed um, purely at men. So like uh, Men's Craft, for example, you have one-to-one uh, support workers and uh, Men's Sheds and also Twelfth Man, um, who arrange sort of social events and groups for men. Um, so that, that's one one kind of risk, a uh, high-risk group. But also we mustn't forget young people, and particularly at this time, um, going through so much uncertainty and change, you know, change on a, a monthly basis, isolated from friends, missing out on a year of social activities and social connections. Um, so so we, we can acknowledge that research kind of shows that these, these groups are quite high um, but we can we can learn to sort of be slightly more aware. A lot of it is intuition and common sense about the the people we work with, or the people we support, or our colleagues, family, and friends. Um, through just considering, you know, through ourselves, what would affect us. And if if we we're, we're supporting somebody who has had a big life event or change happening to them, um, do we need to um, do we need to watch them closer? Do we need to ask them more direct questions about their mental health and well-being? Um, that's, that's one way, can, way, way in which we can be you know, um, more supportive, I suppose, of each other. Would there be any, any sort of indicators, any signs that somebody was you know, maybe having some deeper thoughts than, than is maybe good for them, that, that they might be considering things? I mean, I'm thinking of maybe just getting very... Um, quiet or possibly drinking more, taking drugs even, that, that type of thing. Is there, is there sort of anything, some key signs to look out for? Yeah, I mean, I mean again, uh, acknowledging that everybody's an individual and everybody's different, but there are some general signs we could look out for. So obviously words that people say, they, they you know, they might not say something as direct to, you know, as, a, um, you know, they they, they might want, they're talking about ending their life. They might say something like that, but people are more likely to say something like, you know, I, I just can't take this anymore, or I can't do anything right, or um, all of my problems will end soon. But there might be words they say. There might be feelings like that they're talking about, that, that, they're, um, that they're feeling trapped or isolated or hopeless. And then we might see actions, so we might see... Uh, misuse of alcohol, drugs. There's a clear kind of connection between alcohol and drug misuse. Um, we might acknowledge um, withdrawal, like as you mentioned. So, not you know somebody you know hasn't been uh, texting, emailing, calling as much as they used to. Um, do we do we need to follow that up? You know, check in on that person. Um, and then lack, lack of interest. The uh, similar signs to anxiety and depression, really, where somebody might appear to be a bit more agitated than normal or um, have a lack of interest in their usual pastimes. It's very difficult at the moment because I, I imagine a lot of people listening are feeling they too, and like myself, I, I find these symptoms too. You know, like at times over the last year, you've had a bit of a lack of interest in things that you normally might want to do or you've had disrupted sleep or appetite. All of these signs that might be um, uh, uh, similar to depression or anxiety, and, I, and so we just we just need to be a bit more conscious of um, 
the people around us um, when when they're kind of, if they if we feel like they're withdrawing or the behaviour changing too dramatically. But of course, a lot of people are living by themselves. They're they're single people, possibly. Yeah. Um, they may have an additional problem, a health problem, for example, or or they've been they're out of work. Um, all of these things can can impact on the mind, and it, it's always. I know that three o'clock in the morning thing you wake up if you've got a problem it always seems worse at three o'clock in the morning um and you know do you think that the the constant constant drip feed of of national media and social media with this sort of doom and gloom type attitude that you know all is is lost um will will make it worse if they hear the same piece of news 12 15 times a day maybe they're going to start to believe it's actually how it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's one of the things we talk about a lot, isn't it? Is it you know, um, um, reducing or like completely minimising your exposure to um, to what's the, the news that's going on at the moment. You know, if you can do that, limit it. I mean, even, even being online, so, you know, research shows again, and we know that with young people, that's that kind of constant exposure to um, social media and scrolling and the internet. It's not good. I mean, a lot of it is good in connecting with people, but just constant ongoing screen time is is, is a, a factor that can affect our mental health. Um, I think the mo- I think the most important thing is that we need to develop much more of a culture of asking for help. So um, reaching out to those emergency kind of phone lines and numbers when we need it, and then getting, you know, reaching out to get uh, the professional help that we need. So we need sort of uh, um, emergency instant help, but then we need to kind of have that confidence to have people who can support us to get um, longer-term support and help. And, there's uh, all... and I think a lot, oh, of, a lot of people don't do that still. You know, they're still... Uh, you know, not uh, going to see their GP or not feeling confident in talking to their GP. Um, they're perhaps not ringing or using the uh, telephone lines that are available to them. Um, so, so it's about it's about sort of um, educating all of, all of us, isn't it, to to feel less stigma about mental health and about asking for help, really. Well, there is always that that stigma. I mean, firstly, I suppose you've got to admit to yourself you have a, a problem or an issue or a concern. Um, and then, of course, in, in various lockdowns, getting that help face-to-face at your GP, just as an example, is maybe not as easy as it was before, even though it was probably hard then. Um, but, of course, with with the sort of... If we look at young men... It's not macho to admit you've got a mental health issue, is it? No, well, well, um, I, I mean, I think it is. To be honest, I'm, gonna, I'm going to flip it around, and I'm going to say, um, you know, that I, I think it shows an amazing amount of confidence and strength and bravery to be public or talk about your um, any kind of mental health condition or, or period of time that you've had to deal with. Um, you know, I'll talk about it now as well. That you know, that a period in my life when so I've rang the Samaritans, for example, I've had therapy, um, uh, I've had EM, EMDR therapy, for example, and um, 
And it took me a long time to realize, like you say, and I think it, it, it's partly to do with the um, upbringing and public perceptions of masculinity, like, like, like you mentioned. Um, and I think the best thing we can do is actually be really open about it, more people, more men, but, you know, everybody, really, to talk about, um, be, uh, be honest about their own experiences and, uh, and the need to, at times, or maybe ongoing, for you to get, and, and to get professional help with your mental health. And there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that, you know, like, but there's still the stigma, like you say, about men going to the GP, and I'm just as bad probably as anybody else. Um, you know, if you've got a problem, a physical problem, it, it's probably the last thing on your list to go to the, to the GP of a man, which perhaps it feels um, a lot more instinctive and, and natural as a woman. I don't know, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I, yes, I mean, I, I can relate to that. I, you know, we've all had issues in the past where you've, you've had to admit a problem. And when you do that, all of a sudden you seem to, to open the floodgates. And if you can talk about that and, and um, express that, I mean, I've, I, I don't class myself as an emotional person because of the job that I do, because I have to sort of contain that. But I mean, I've had, yeah. I've had many, many traumas in my life, some which will appear in my book when I eventually get round to writing it. Um, but but yeah. it, it, it's sort of, I think you, you, the tendency is to sort of lock those away um, and don't discuss them. It's it's not, you know, we don't talk about death in this country. Um, unlike other cultures, we don't talk about debt. Um, we're considered yeah. that we have to be of a certain type. So young men have got to go out and play football, drink beer. Not everybody's like that, are they? No, um, you know, I, I think there's still a projection of men, males, masculinity in that vein, isn't there? But, you know, and, and perhaps that's part of the problem in a way, you know, that um, if we continue to identify with a really singular view of anybody, but in particular of, of, of um, males, then, um, um, then if you don't feel like you're matching up to that, that then creates quite a lot of anxiety, maybe depression, um, throughout your life, maybe it's a bit of a constant, you know, going on. Um, but uh, thing, things are changing in some respects and, and can change. I suppose it's um, um, it's just about more uh, awareness raising in that area, isn't it? I think for for men. But I think the other one of the other issues in Norfolk is obviously um, the rural nature of the of the geography of the landscape and so sometimes you have services and support quite centralized in you know in in urban areas or in the most populous areas like Norwich or um, King's Lynn for example uh, and I think that's also a, a perceptual thing as well like so perhaps people living in smaller villages and towns feel like um, there isn't the same level of support so I think I think one of the things we'd like to do is is um, ga- gather together a lot of that inf- information so that so it's a lot clearer of what local and national support is available to people um, who are feeling isolated or separated because isolation, loneliness, separation are some of the key um, thought processes and thinking that somebody with suicidal thoughts experiences, and so if we can minimise. Um, uh, and help reduce some of that, you know, those thought processes, and 
we hope that therefore you might you might start to see a reduction in in mental health problems or um, suicidal thoughts in in local communities. So it needs to, you know it's a bit complicated. It needs a lot of work, and it a lot of a lot of different uh, approaches, which is which is what I think uh, is is happening. You know you, you have you have a lot of different projects, um, so including ours. Um, that aim to approach the subject from lots of different angles, because uh, there's no one answer, I don't think. No, I mean, there used to be a thing years ago, I don't know if it still exists, of farmers being um, a prime case uh, for suicide yeah. thoughts um, because of, they generally work in isolation on the fields and tractors. They're alone with their thoughts yeah. all day long for long hours, often associated with debt, um, or, or impending debt or, or, or that type of thing because of simply running a business like a farm. Um, but, I mean, we, we're now sort of going across the board, I suspect. Do you think really we're probably, as we're now coming out of our effectively third lockdown, um, and hopefully there'll be some kind of normality returning to general life, but are we seeing the tip of the iceberg so we're at the start of another journey in people's mental well-being mental health and and suicidal tendencies that that may be you know further down the line before we haven't even seen that yet yeah well i mean i think firstly one of the one of the great um organizations that working with farmers in uh, rural areas offering support is um yana so you are you are not alone. There's a website for them, and they offer um, telephone support, counselling, I believe, and some training in that area, specifically for farmers and people working in agriculture. Um, uh, so, um, but but the other the other point was about um, whether we feel like we're at the kind of tip of the iceberg of uh, problems. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm both realistic, but I'm also I can be positive as well. I think so. Realistically, I think some of the research shows that there will be a, of course, knock-on effect, which we haven't seen yet. So the, the figures in, I don't like to talk about figures, but figures in relation to suicide show that there hasn't been a rise nationally so far, although that may be different regionally, particularly in Norfolk, might be slightly higher in Norfolk. Um, but um, uh, the research kind of shows that there, there, there's a kind of delay effect um, where you know the, the, the key, one some of the key indicators of a rise in suicide might be uh, loss of employment, for example. So um, we might see um, sadly um, some changes to come over the sort of next six months. But I think one of the key things that's happened over the last year, which would never have happened prior to the pandemic, is that actually um, people have, have become much more aware of mental health in general much more open to talking about it. Employers are, uh, and schools and colleges are much more aware of it. And, and schemes and programs and training have been inevitably put in place to start to change that to an even higher degree. And so what, what we might see, I hope that we see, is a real culture um, change, a behavior change uh, for everybody in considering uh, our own mental health and employers considering mental health, educators considering mental health to a much higher degree. 
Um, and so, so that could be long-term an incredibly positive thing, I think. So if somebody either feels themselves that they may be slipping down this, this path, or if you can identify something within somebody you're in contact with, how can one get the best advice and support? Well, I think I think having been in that situation before, where um, you f- you feel quite overwhelmed with your feelings and thoughts and emotions, you can experience quite a narrow sort of thought process. So it's quite difficult to navigate through what to do. Um, and so the first thing is that you need help and support from somebody else who can think or has access to information in a much clearer way. Um, so we can't trust, you know, you can't trust your own instincts, I don't think, at that time. So most people's first point of call would be a telephone line, whether that's to call um, the Samaritans, which I think is 116123, um, or um, the emergency services, if you feel things are um, have reached that, you know, really drastic point for you. You need, yeah. The other thing is, what we talk about is like having a kind of net of support for yourself. So if you can do it, ring those emergency numbers, but also try and connect yourself in with some trusted people that you want to talk to if you have them. So whether that's a friend, a family member, a colleague, um, it's, there's got to be a point where you, uh, if you are at that, you know, um, that, that drastic point of decision in your life, um, why not make one last call. Why not make one call to somebody? And that call, that call could really change your life. You know, that that person you trust could really um, create that connection. And that's what you want to do. Because if you're in a, if you're feeling in like an incredibly isolated, uh, narrow frame of mind, what you need to do is expand yourself out and connect with multiple people to feel less alone and, and less of a burden that you might be feeling at the time. Um, so the emergency numbers, friends, colleagues, and then of course when you're ready, those those people at the end of the line, Mind has a mental health support line as well that you can ring. Um, um, they they will be able to connect you in with longer term help and a, help and assistance. You should of course always try and visit your GP if you're comfortable with that and talk to them about what you've been experiencing. Um, uh, and then it's about getting that longer-term therapy, whether that's counselling. It could be EMDR, so if you've experienced trauma, there's a lot of research and support into this particular type of therapy. Um, there's there's um, actually the, the, there's some local free um, online EMDR services as well. I think what I have to do is um, send them through via email to, to kind of promote them a bit further. Um, uh, and, 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 and then it's about identifying what, what it is that you, what longer term professional help, um, because we're not, we're not saying that everything can be resolved just through a conversation. The conversation might be, you know, the emergency safety for now moment for you that saves you. But we, of course, need to have that further counseling, professional kind of clinical support for you, um, Yeah, and, and I, I suppose it's about um, self-worth and, and also about just, I mean, wintertime doesn't help a lot of people with, with um, the, the SADS syndrome, you know, the seasonal 
deficiency. I've forgotten the the, the acronym now, but but I I know I can't no, but I I know myself when the sun's shining, I feel better. I mean, I you know the sun shines. Yeah, of course. It, it just seems Spring, so much nicer, um, doesn't it? Seeing things come back to life. Yeah, I think I think it's um I mean it's difficult if you're in the, if you're in a moment of depression, it's very hard for somebody to change your you know quickly change your mind. It's very it's impossible for you to quickly change your own mind and view of how things look. I think there are some clear things um, that we could do if we're able to to make ourselves feel better, which are quite simple. And we can follow the the kind of five ways to well-being. Um, you know, like getting outside, connecting with people, helping other people. Um, it's about our diet as well. You know, um, it, it's quite difficult though because we know these things are good for us, but it's not always easy to do them ourselves a bit, you know, like I'm the same. Uh, I know I should be doing more exercise and going for a run, but I'm not going to <laughs> do the run. Um, I know I should probably be reading more books and looking at things online, but I'm not reading the books. Um, so I think don't be too hard on yourself and don't set set or make a plan for yourself that, that just makes you feel even worse about yourself or makes you feel bad. If you can change one little aspect of your life, um, that is an amazing, powerful start of a journey, isn't it? If we think about it more of a more of a journey, and if the next day we can't do something, we're too tired, we feel too sad, don't worry so much. Just try the next day. That's all. That's all we can do, isn't it? Try to make small little changes, and they build over time. Hopefully, with support into um, you know, doing more and more and more, which is what we all want. You know, we all want to live as full and richer life as we as we possibly can yeah i think um we've got to be realistic about um our expectations and what is realistic as well and and i think there's nothing worse than sort of aspiring to something that isn't achievable and then failing yeah um i i think we need you know baby steps maybe if you want to to do something if it doesn't work straight away well you know keep with it if you possibly can and there's a, a difference, I think, as well, between feeling a bit fed up and a bit flat as to, to actual clinical depression, which is a totally different yeah. thing. And I think that's really where we're, we're going with this, that, you know, we can all feel a bit down and all a bit, oh, it's, it's not the greatest day. Well, tomorrow is another day and, and let's embrace it and, and look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think um... I don't know if people have heard of like um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which was like a uh, an idea, an idea in psychology proposed by Abraham Maslow, uh, and it's like a triangle, um, and it suggests that there are there are things we need to put in place before we can have all the other things. I think life sometimes what's projected through other people on social media makes us think we can instantly attain everything somebody else has had. But, of course, if, we're, if we are experiencing a bereavement, a life, a, a big life event, unemployment, physical or mental um, long-term health conditions, we really just need to sort out the basics, don't we, of having a safe, warm place to live, um, having a, a stable income, having people to help and support us. And so we can't be... Um, making like like you say, we can't be building plans that are too ambitious or too long, you know, too um, complicated. 
Um, uh, and we need we need other people's help. You know, I think that's a, it's partly an English thing. Um, you're asking for help, asking for support. Um, get get as much as you can. You know, at the moment we all need everybody needs more support than they uh, than they would normally have. Um, so so connecting them with the charities and organisations to find out what support's available and what help's available. I think that's um, that could be a good start for for everybody. Well, I had to um, accept the fact some years ago that I I need to have the looks or the money of George Clooney, um, and, and and sort of I I moved on from that. Well, but we're over the radio, so I can't tell. Well, some say I have a good face for radio, and um, there you go. But but uh, it is what it is. But of course, if, if you are feeling alone and isolated, I mean, apart from getting the initial help. Sometimes it it might be good to just I don't know volunteer down at somewhere or other that that needs a bit of help yeah. a charity shop or or something just to give you some focus and some identity in life is always a good thing in my my opinion. Um, I, it's something I I sort of advocate that that helping in the community is helping somebody else and in turn you'll get something out of it. Definitely, I think I think. Um... You know, the, the thing about um, helping other people, instantly it makes you feel good, but it also connects you in with so many people and so many nice people. So if, you're, if you've experienced, you know, uh, or you feel like you're isolated or, the, you know, feel rejected uh, in some way from people and culture and society, uh, which often people with, with um, depression or suicidal thoughts might experience, then um, what you need is really welcoming, open, honest people, and that's something you'll find through volunteering and, and doing work for charity so it's a really uh, a really good place to start um if that's if that's what you need i think well i hope we've we've highlighted a few issues for for our listeners and um it is all part of the community voices connected series that we're doing on harbour radio to to highlight issues like this and, and maybe give a bit of an indicator to pathways to to help You've got three offices, um, I've noticed on your website, um, Kings Lynn, Norwich, and of course, uh, Great Yarmouth. Are they open at the moment, or is there phone support? There, there, is, um, there are staff present at the offices, so there will be someone to take your call. They might be working, a lot of people are obviously working from home. A lot of the services, so like the um, wellbeing service, services, are operating online. And our own uh, bereavement support groups are operating, but online at the moment. Um, so we've we've tried to um, move online with our training and our support groups and our services where we can. But also our one-to-one workers are still um, able to support people face-to-face if people are, are comfortable with that. So um, outside, um, following you know social distancing measures. Um, so um, yeah, so that uh, people can ring the the um, telephone line. Um, so there's a Great Yarmouth office, there's also the Norwich office. Um, they're the same number actually, isn't it? It's 0300 330 That all goes through, and then they'll they'll be whatever information they might be interested in, whether it's bereavement support or other forms of support the person on the end of the phone will give the, the kind of information and redirect them that way. And they can also find you online, of course. 
Yeah, or, or look on the website. And there's a tab on the website um, which just asks how we can help you. And then there's services and support groups on there. Um, lots of different services, but uh, the bereavement and suicide prevention services are listed on there under the complex bereavement service, all nautical themes. So we've got the Lighthouse Project, Sail Project, Anchor Project, and Cove Project. Um, so if you want some more information or an email address uh, on there, and someone will get back to you, bring you back as, as soon as they can. And you're also on that um, website. Uh, you've got uh, links to fundraising and donations, legacies, and even if somebody wants to volunteer, as we were discussing just now, or to be ambassadors or trustees, um, I, I suspect, like most charities, you're you're always looking for support in those areas. That's right. Yeah. So there, um, so there are volunteering opportunities as well. So if you wanted to um, go through that process, you can you can do that. Um, really rewarding process, and 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 obviously lots of different projects within Mind. There's over 400 staff at Mind running projects and services across Norfolk and Waveney. Um, so there's, there's, there's bound to be something that might relate to either your lived experience or an area that you want to learn more about or support more. Um, so, yeah, please do get in touch if you want to, if you want to volunteer or, or help in any way with any of the services. Well, uh, Mark Atkinson, um, Suicide Prevention Facilitator at uh, Norfolk and Waveney Mind. Thank you for your time today. It's been um, a great chat, very informative, and I, I do hope that we've either helped somebody or put somebody's mind at rest or just given them some food for thought. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. You're most welcome. You take care of yourself, Mark. And you. Take care. Bye for now. Bye for now. Community Voices Connected on Harbour Radio, supporting those socially isolated in our community, chatting with representatives from local charities and organisations while connecting to services available in the borough of Great Yarmouth. That's the end of this edition of Community Voices Connected with Peter Kirkpatrick here on Harbour Radio. Join me again next week.
Community Voices Connected on Harbour Radio, supporting those socially isolated in our community, chatting with representatives from local charities and organisations while connecting to services available in the borough of Great Yarmouth.